Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Ryan Scherholtz. Um, obviously, you are all ahead of the game, so please stand for the scripture reading. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared, appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the word of the Lord. God, would you remain standing as we pray? Lord, we pray that you would reveal to us what your kingdom is like, that you would show us something today in this parable that resonates with our hearts, that we would go and, and live closer to you because of these words. And Lord, if I may pray a very bold prayer for all of us, that Lord, you would come inside of us and burn away the things that are not of you, that you would come in, Lord, we invite your, we boldly invite your judgment into our lives so that we would be more like you. Lord, we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God's people boldly said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. I have a image of, uh, I think, what this sermon could be like for some of us today, and it's an image. You've ever been like outside trying to get inside, and you're looking for a key, and there's like a group of people like, where'd you put the key? You had the key. No, you had the key. It fell out of your pocket, and you're looking around for a key to get in the house. You're like, where could it be? You're looking in the car. Check your pockets again. You check your pockets. You can't find this key, and you're just like, oh, the key. Where's the key? Where's the key? And someone says, has anyone just tried the door? Like, do we need the key? And you go over to the door, and sure enough, you put your hand on the doorknob, and it opens right up, and you push it open, and you're like, ah, oh, this key, all the thinking about the key, the fighting about the key, the looking for the key didn't matter. And I think in some ways, these parables, it's like Jesus is trying to show us something. And we just like, tell it, tell it, Jesus, like, I, I can't, I can't, and he tells a parable, which is a very different way of teaching the truth. And it's like an unlocked door, like, oh, that's the way it is. That's what the kingdom of God is like. There's a lot of things. Ryan just read this parable, and there's so much. I listed things. I might even bore you right now with all the things we could be talking about. The good seed, the bad seed, the good fruit, the bad fruit, the evil one, the evil one sowing, the one who sows the seed, staying awake. We could talk about life on earth with bad seeds growing amongst the good. We talk about waiting. We talk about judgment. Talk about God's judgment. Talk about the end of the world judgment. There's all these things in the story, and yet we have uh, only a couple minutes to do so. And so today's sermon is three-pointed sermon. The first point is to talk about parables in general. 
The next point is to look specifically at this uh, parable and to talk about the bad seed. I think that's what's at the heart of this parable is the bad seed that grows up. And then third and finally, we're going to talk about God's good judgment, because that's really how this parable ends. And so the first point of this sermon is about the parable. Parables in general. This is how Jesus spoke. Point number one is this, uh, kind of a quote from last week from, from Brett, who started this series. Parables show us where heaven lines up with earth. Brett said it this way, the kingdom of heaven is where earth lines up with heaven. And so we, we've just like, this is what it is. This is what a parable is. It shows us where earth lines up with heaven. The, the, the Greek word parable is made up of two words, para meaning alongside of and bole to throw down. So these parables are rhetorical throwdowns. These parables, if I may, are rhetorical, spiritual mic drops. Have you ever been in a conversation? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, go Jesus. Jesus in your parables. Jesus mic drops. Um, and that's what, parables have this way. Have you ever been in an argument with someone and you're arguing about something and then they wisely, with, with wisdom, throw out throw down a parable and you're like, oh, like I was disagreeing with you, but now I see what you're saying. Like I, I see things a different way. You're telling a parable that runs like parallel and adjacent to what we're arguing about. And it's not really getting into the bait. It's a telling of a, a story. And now I get it. And I'm actually on your side now. Like the parable is something that can win us over. Jesus throws these things down. Matthew 13, 24, uh, Ryan read these words. He said, he put another parable before them. It's like he threw down this parable. He sets it there for them saying, the kingdom of God is compared to. The kingdom of God is like. He puts this thing down for them to listen to, to see, to experience. It's very similar language to when Moses in uh, Ezekiel, or excuse me, uh, Exodus and Deuteronomy comes from God's holy mountain and he sets down before the people the Torah, the law. Like this is this word of God set down now before you that you may look at it. These parables, I, I like what this guy said, a, a New Testament scholar his name is his name is Klein Snotgrass. Uh, <laughs> I was going to try to just say that and not get. Well, you know me. I'm so immature. I have four little boys. I can't just. Anyways, forgive me. Parables, as uh, this scholar says, uh, are at the same time works of art and weapons of war. Works of art and weapons of war. And we find out later in these parables, Matthew tells us that the reason why Jesus speaks in parables, you might be like, oh yeah, so we can understand it. Jesus actually says, the reason I speak in parables is so they, so they really won't get it. And you're like, wait, what? Like, what do you, he's like, it's like 
counterintuitive. Like, I'm not explaining something. I'm telling a story that is parallel and adjacent to this story so that it's going to require you something. It's going to require you to lean into this story. It's going to require you to to ask, like, what does this mean? It's going to require your heart to be conformed. The parables are not just informational ideas of what the kingdom of God is like. Parables are these adjacent stories that you have to lean into. You have to get. I get really frustrated. I'm, I'm kind of a person that I like to do my own things. I like to fix things. And, and, and I'm like, I, I'm kind of, I'm not a perfectionist. I, I, usually I have this phrase when I'm like doing, working on something. It's like, well, the, it doesn't have to be good. It just has to be good enough. Like that's what I, just like to get it done, get it done quick. I work on my own vehicles. Uh, I, I was a couple of weeks ago, I guess a month ago or so, I was changing a, uh, just a turn signal bulb and I couldn't figure it out. Like I've been working on cars since I was 16 and I couldn't figure, it's like, where is this bold. Like it's got the, like, how does this thing come off? I'm getting frustrated. So I go in and watch a YouTube video and the YouTube video is 15 minutes long. And it's like going over safety precautions. Like, here's how you lift the, I don't care about safety. Tell me about the bolt. Like you have to remove the negative cable of the battery. I know, I know. Just, I don't do that. No one does that. Just get to the point. Just get to the point. And I'm yelling cross-eyed at the laptop. Get to the point. And I imagine people in Jesus' time were like, tell us what the kingdom of God's like. Jesus is like, well, let me tell you a story. Let me put before you a story. There's a sower. It just got to the point, Jesus. Like, that's what we want, right? We want just get to the point. You're crossing your eyes. And Jesus says, actually, that would be... I'm not here to explain facts and details of of how this works in order. I'm here to tell you a story because that's how God communicates. He invites us in to his story and this story is about bad stuff. I'll allude to this uh, later in this sermon. And, and it's about judgment. It's about like bad stuff going on. And his disciples are like, Let, let's take care of this now. Let's, let's go root out this evil. And I prayer, prayed a bold prayer at the beginning. We'll come back to that prayer at the end too. This bold prayer of, of, of asking the Lord to judge us and pull out the weeds and the things that shouldn't be there in our own lives. That's what this is about. And the, and the, the people are, the people, the disciples are like, Jesus, let's do this now. Let's get rid of these weeds. And this parable is about, actually, let's wait. Let's wait and let the Lord do this. So let's talk a little bit more about um, these parables, these ways of communicating. I always see this analogy in uh, space movies, but you've probably seen it before. There's like a dot here and a dot here, and you're trying to get connect these two dots, and it's a really long line, right? Have you seen this analogy before? It's like, oh, Jesus has to explain what the kingdom of God is like, and instead of just explaining, like t- talking through bullet points and details and pulling up a pie charts and graphs, instead he tells a story, which is kind of like, if you want to get to this point and this point, what do you do? You fold. Have you seen this before? And then you could, you could touch these two points together. The two points touch. They're right on top of each other. I think in some ways, that's what a parable does. It's counterintuitive. It's a way of explaining things that's parallel and adjacent to. And parables like this have power to point, to grab, to pierce like that paper. I just like to pierce right to our heart. I think about some, I'm going to tell you two. Uh, one's from the Old Testament. You probably know this story. Uh, it's, a, it's a powerful, 
powerful parable. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. When David is caught in, uh, he commits adultery, he's going to have a baby with this woman to cover over it. What does he do? He murders the husband of this man, Uriah. And Nathan, the prophet, finds out about him. He goes to the king, which is a very dangerous thing to do, to point out a mistake of a king when the king has the ability to, to sentence anybody to death. He's the king. He could do whatever he wants. Nathan goes before David, and what does he do? He tells this really interesting parable. He says there's this guy, this really poor man, and all he has is a little sheep, a little lamb, a little ewe lamb. And he even shares a bed with this little lamb. He shares a plate with this little lamb. He even says he even shares a cup, which in, in the ancient, this was ridiculous, like trying to feed a little sheep out of a cup. That's what it's just like, what? Like, what's wrong with this guy? Uh, like, like, think about like the original ESA, original emotional support animal, this little sheep <laughs> and this guy. And so it's this relationship, all right? And there's also in this story a rich man. He has all this stuff. He has all these sheep. And a guy comes to visit the rich man. The rich man, instead of taking one of his own rich man sheeps, he wants that guy's emotional support animal. He wants that little lamb. And he takes it and he kills it and he makes a feast to impress this guest. And David, listening to the story, is like, who is this man? He needs to die. Like that just escalated quickly, like the death penalty for... <laughs> cooking a lamb dinner like okay uh and and nathan says you want to know who this man is this man is is you and david gets it like it's this it's this parable that has this power to cut right into his heart and everybody later today go read psalm 51 it's the psalm david writes in saying sorry to God for this sin. Lord, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy great mercy, according to the multitude of tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And it's this gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching apology to the Lord. And it's all, it starts with this listening of this parable, not a listing of the facts of what David did. Think about another parable. I heard this story um, uh, a husband ha had a wife and two little girls. He was wanting to leave uh, the relationship, uh, wanting to, he, there was really no good reason. He just wanted to get out of there. He wanted to go uh, sort out his career. He wasn't having any fun. He wanted to kind of see other people. He wanted to just leave. He didn't like, he wanted to go do him. You know, like, I want to live my life. I feel like I'm trapped here. And his, his wife lists all these, you can't leave, you know, with this and that. He talks to his friends, his friends are like, no, you, you cannot do this. List this information. Like, you can't do this. Like, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do this, and it's not going to work. Man, you're ruining, blah, blah, blah. On the day before, the night before, he's, he's going to leave the next day and just move off and get loads of stuff in the car. Uh, one of his little girls comes down to him on the couch and wakes him up and says, Dad, I have had a bad dream. And he says, what's your bad dream? He's like, well, I was, we were in a car, me and... And me, mom and sister were in a in a car, and there was a car wreck. A car hit us, and there was we were all scratched up, and there was broken bones, and there was broken glass, and there was just blood. Dad, there was so much blood everywhere. It was horrible. She starts crying, and the dad says, "Well, isn't that good? That's just a dream, right? You know, you're awake. You're awake now. You're fine." And she says, "Dad, I looked in the car that hit our car. I could see into that car, and do you know who that?" person was that was driving. Dad, that was you. 
And he just, he, he got it. Like all the descriptions of, of what would happen if he left, like he knew. But he, in his head, he just thought, oh, kids are resilient. They'll get over it. But no, it was this little dream parable that this girl told that he got it. And he's like, oh, I need, I need to stay and get counseling and get help and, and, and stay here because this is where the Lord has me and I need to stay in this relationship. Parables have this kind of power. No one in history spoke in the, in the parables that Jesus did. One third of every word out of Jesus' mouth was in parable. If you have your Bible... And uh, some of you have a red letter. Anybody have the red letter Bible? Well, actually, who has an actual paper Bible? Anybody? Oh, praise the Lord. Yes, yes. Okay, good. Uh, if you have a real Bible, it has real red letters. Uh, extra credit to you uh, on both accounts. That's two points today. Uh, one third. Think about it. One third of every red letter is, a, is in a parable. That's crazy. Like no one else in history spoke like this. It really says something about the kind of way God speaks to us in these parables that are both powerful and hidden in the same time. He speaks to us that we might lean into these stories and get it. So let's lean into this story. Point number two is this. Point number two is, what do we do with these bad seeds? Let's get back into this parable. I'll give you a little review because, uh, let's be honest, we all need it. Like, we were like, what are we talking about now? The parable, wait, the parable of the, wait, which one is it? It's the wheats and the weeds, or the wheat and the, as King James says, the tares, if you know that word. Here's the story. Here's a very quick recap. There's a man, he's the sower, he sows, we find out wheat. And essentially it says, his enemy comes while his enemy are asleep, and he sows weeds. The plants come up, the grain and the weeds appear, the servants of the master have a conversation, and the servants say, dude, that's my language, there's weeds everywhere, didn't you plant good seed? And he says, yes, I did. And the master just knows this. He says, an enemy came in, an enemy has done this, an enemy has planted the weeds. And so the, the, the servants get worked up. They say, let's go out and gather these weeds. It's going to ruin everything. It's going to ruin the whole crop. We're dead. Let's get out there and pick these weeds. And the master says, no, actually, when you pull the weeds and go out there, you're going to trample. You're going to pull up the wheat, some of the wheat as well. So what we need to do is we need to wait until harvest time. The wheat will go into the barn. The weeds will go into the fire. That is this story in a nutshell. It's really about these weeds. It's about this Greek word, uh, zizania, and, and uh, the, it's very possible that the weed Jesus was talking about, these tares, these weeds, was something called the darnel uh, plant, which is very similar to wheat, and it's very interesting. It might, might not be, but if he was referring to this darnel, which was common at the time, it was a poisonous plant. It's not just a weed, to, like a dandelion. It's like, oh, look at this. It, it's yellow, and my grass is supposed to be green. It's like, no, this, if it gets into the wheat, it can poison you. If there's enough of it in there, you'll get nauseous and sick, and it, it's poison. So it's very interesting that, that Jesus, there could just be a little bit of insight into this about the weed and how bad it was for this wheat crop. It's like the ultimate like horrible prank. Does anybody like pranks? Okay, nobody, good. Okay, put your hand down. The pranks are horrible. Like I grew up uh, doing a lot of pranks and I was in youth ministry, college ministry for a while. 
And there was pranks, and most of the pranks were like, you prank somebody and you're like, April Fools, and both people can kind of laugh about it and high five. That's, I'm okay with that. That kind of pranking, fine, who cares? Everybody laughs. And then there's like another pranking that, go, that ventures on like sabotage. Like, it's bad. Like, I remember living uh, in, in uh, the, the youth pastor's uh, house. Uh, me and some other dudes lived in the basement of uh, Nikki and Jeremiah Parks. Anybody know them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I lived in the basement and uh one night uh uh some kids some high school kids from the youth group thought it'd be so funny to go out teepeeing has anybody ever gone teepeeing okay put your hands down that's enough (laughs) just about enough these kids i think stole maybe a hundred rolls from new life uh and and brought them to the parks' house and just unloaded like over the trees on the roofs there's just, I mean, it was like a picture out of a, like a nightmare scene for a homeowner. And Nikki and Jeremiah go out there in the morning. There's like neighbors taking pictures. Some neighbors are upset, like, this is against the HOA code. We're going to call the law enforcement. And, and they're like, gosh, like, like it ruined their day. It ended up taking two days to get ladders, to get the toilet paper off. Like one evening, a couple hours of fun for these high schoolers turned into like, if someone took two days away from me, like I'm in, I'm 40 now, I have four boys, I have things to do. If someone took two days of my life away, I would seek legal counsel. <laughs> like I would be so mad. And this is the kind of prank and it's not this is sabotage like let's talk about this is what it is this is not just like someone is going out at night the enemy his enemy is going out at night and taking the time to hire other people and 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 plant a whole field with weeds and it's like where do you get a bag of weeds? I mean, like how, like, how does that work? Like, you have, to, you have to plant the weeds, and then you have to grow the weeds, and then get those seeds, and then plant more, and then you have a crop of weed. Like, this is two years in the planning, at least, just to go out, like, just thinking practically, because Jesus would have been speaking to an agrarian culture that would have just, like, yeah, like, wow, like, someone took the time to go out and replant a whole field with weeds? Like, how ridiculous, how silly of a prank. Well, friends, it's not a prank. Like, this is the work of an enemy, of a really bad person. And Jesus will actually say this. uh, He will explain this parable. Luckily for us, Jesus, this is one of the parables. Luckily for me, I guess I should say. This is one of the parables that Jesus explains. He interprets his own parable. And he says this, the field is the world. The good seeds uh, stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy is the one who sows them, is the devil. The enemy who sows them is the devil. We have an enemy, and this enemy is bad. Like, he's like, like, consider what he's doing here. He is ruining a crop. He is ruining someone's livelihood. People are going to starve because of this. He's ruining a field, and it's horrible. I mean, when you travel, has anybody ever traveled outside of the U.S.? Uh, and you come back in, they want to know two things. They want to make sure you are who you are, like the, the identification thing, passport. And then they have all these questions about like plants 
And fruits and vegetables, have you been in close contact with livestock, sir? It's like, what? Like, what does that matter? Who cares? Well, it does matter because this kind of stuff, if a diseased plant or if a bunch of weeds enter into our nation that haven't been there, they can take over. Like, like some of you are into uh, gardening and the weeds or, or even fish and wildlife. There's all these rules about like these species, these invasive species that come in and they're horrible. Like what's going on here is quite horrible. And I guess like there was actual laws in the Roman age about this, like this kind of sabotage. What would happen if someone went out and planted weeds in a crop uh, that belonged to someone else and what punishments would be there? But this is like, like knowing now that Jesus says these weeds are the evil people. These are the ones, these are the people of Satan. Like we kind of maybe probably just nod our head and like, yeah, we know some people that are really evil in history. I think of the Hitlers and the Jeffrey Dahmers and the people that are really bad. Like, yeah, we know these evil people, but this is a parable meant for us. It's meant for them. It's meant for us today. This is real stuff. I was thinking about this and just uh, gathering things. I just did this on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I looked at the Gazette, our local newspaper, Colorado Springs, 10-mile radius is what Colorado Springs is. And it covered all of these like crime stories. And let me just give you, uh, just like this is real stuff, like the weeds, the evil. Like some of us are sheltered, some of us not so much. But, but think about this is our very own city. This is three days this week of what happened. One, uh, a man predatorily took uh, elementary school girls and set them up somehow as prostitutes. A uh, Colorado Springs woman beaten to death and robbed. Two arrested for a deadly shooting at police. Woman steals a truck with an elderly man inside. Vehicle break-ins at a park. A road rage shooting, Colorado and 31st, just down the road. A woman stabbed eight times in her car uh, near Fil Fillmore, that's just down the road, by acquaintances. In Manitou, assault, sexual assault, battery, robbery, domestic violence. This is just this week. This is just three days of stories. Like, what do we do? Jesus, God, what do we, let's go in and let's get these weeds. Let's, 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 God, we have so much work to do. And then you think about the national level and uh, the suicide bombings in Sri Lanka and, and just the horror of the world that we live in. What are we to do? And this parable tells us what to do. Point number three today, this third and final point this morning, is we are to wait for God's good judgment. Let's jump ahead to uh, verse 36 in this chapter where Jesus explains this parable. And it's very wonderful that uh, uh, Jesus explains this one. He doesn't explain all of his parables, but this one he does. Verse 36 says, he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds uh, in the field. And this is that, that idea of what a parable is. It requires you to lean in. It requires you to think about it. It requires you to play it out and to really imagine yourself and get into the story and ask the Lord, uh, ask the teller, what does this mean? Verse 37, he says, he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. He continues and explains, verse 40, As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will weed out the kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into a blazing furnace. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun 
in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is a picture of our world, a picture of a very broken world where there's evil and there's weeds, noxious weeds growing. This is an image, Jesus says, of the world. And not the church, this is an image of the whole world. And basically Jesus says, I'm going to take care of this. Like, like, like some of us get mad, even like thinking about like the Gazette articles and like all that stuff. That really stuff really happened just this week? Like all that stuff? Yeah, that stuff happens. It happens every week. It happened this week and, and we, we get mad. Like I know I get mad. Like really? Like really? This guy did this and the woman stabbed? Like why? We need to do something. And Jesus says, well, wait. Like know that the Lord is in charge and there will be judgment. Wait is a four-letter word, literally and figuratively, right? Like, it's not easy to wait because we want to be the judge. We want to go in and judge and figure this out and do what we want to do, do what we know or we think should be right. I think about... Um, I used to pride myself years and years ago for uh, like homeless people. A lot of you know I have a heart for homeless people, people that are on the fringes of our society. Uh, I still, still do. I have a big heart. I used to give out cash. Like someone was like, hey man, you got a dollar? I'd give them a dollar. Hey man, you got five bucks? Here's five bucks. Like I, I just kind of prided myself. Like if someone asks, I'll give them money. That's what Jesus said to do. And I was uh, talking uh, to a person in uh, like ministry of... Um, addiction that works at uh, Springs Rescue now. And they were saying how they used to be homeless here in Colorado Springs. And they said, you know, you shouldn't give money to people like that because he said, you know, you could probably get a lot of food. There's pantries, there's soup kitchens, there's this and that in Colorado Springs. And if you give someone cash, they're probably going to spend it on alcohol or drugs. So you should probably rethink that. And I was like, oh, no one's ever said that. I didn't know. I, I just, you know, I thought I was doing good. I, I guess I shouldn't do that. Okay. And a couple, maybe a week passes. I was walking. Someone asked me uh, for money. They had a puppy with them. And I remember what this guy said. This guy said, yeah, a lot of people don't care about people, but they do care about dogs. So if, if a homeless person has a dog, they could usually get more money because you're like, oh, the person needs to feed their dog. So I was passing this guy and he said, hey, can, can I have some money? I'm hungry and I want to feed my dog. And I was like, nope, I know now, like my friend told me that you're going to do the, you're not going to, money's not going to go for that. I know, I know how it works now. And I didn't say all that. I said, oh, sorry, man. I kept walking. And then I thought, like my heart was like, I used to, to give money out like that that hurts to not and I, I, I kind of stopped by a park I looked I could see through and I, I watched this guy and it took him he asked a lot of people for money so eventually someone gave him money and guess what he did he took the money he went into a store and he bought for himself food and he bought dog food and he came out and he, he ate it and he put the dog food by the curb and they ate and I was like this is not come on and then so I thought like, oh man, I, I guess I should, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's hard to judge these situations. I thought it was a pretty good judge of people. I guess not. And then I thought for a while, this was a couple of years ago, I was like, I'm going to always have like food, uh, granola bars, healthy snacks, power bars kind of stuff in my glove compartment or backpack. Someone asked me for money. I'm going to give them food. Like that's, that's good, right? Uh, and so I had like a, a, a uh, Glove compartment full of granola bars. I saw this guy with a sign that just said hungry and he was holding it. So I stopped and I pulled out, I rolled down the window because I still have the, the thing. And I pulled out, I gave, I had like a handful of granola bars. I said, here you go, man. And he looked at me and he was like, what do you think I want, man? Your charity? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I didn't, I really didn't know what to say. I was like, what? 
And he smacked the granola bars out of my hands. I was like, man, don't you have any cash? Give me cash, man. Come out here for this. Where do you think I am? Hungry? I was like, what? What is going on? I was like, he was like, get out of here. And so I did. I was just like, okay, I don't know. This is weird. And isn't it weird? Like how we think we can judge and we, we set these situations up. And I have no idea. I, I, I still have a strong heart for, for people on the edge and the fringes of our society. And, and, uh, but, but judging people and thinking we have it all figured out we don't. I think about, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, uh, I was in this conversation, really didn't know anybody, we were just kind of talking about the weather, someone brought up dogs, and then somebody said, uh, how their dog had just died, I was like, oh man, your dog died, sorry man, and one of the guys there was like, yeah man, if I was God, man, your dog would be up in heaven, just chasing rabbits around, that's what heaven is, man, just, yeah, and everybody was like, yeah, even I was like, yeah, yeah man, yeah. <laughs> And then I started thinking, like, oh, that's our judgment. That's what we put in place. And for some reason, I started to think about the rabbits in that story. Like, that's hell. Like, the running from ferocious dogs all day. Like, we think we could figure this all out. Like, we can judge, and we know. And here Jesus tells us, you know what? There's evil in this world, and he is a good God who is also a good judge. He's the one that can figure it out. He can judge the heart. He knows the wheat from the weeds. He truly knows, even inside of our own lives, the wheat from the weeds. Like no one else can. We could do good things with bad intentions. We do bad things with good intentions and actually it ends up being a good thing. Like no one can really know except for the Lord and he is a good judge. He's the kind of judge that when this repentant woman comes to him uh, and is thrown before him, actually, and she's caught in adultery, uh, what does he do? He lifts her up. And this repentant woman, he sends her on her way and restores dignity in life. He's the same judge that when the non-repentant, the, the, the church people, the Pharisees, uh, this is a warning for us, come to him and they don't have anything supposedly to repent of, he says, woe to you. You know, you wash your outside. You look nice. Good job for that, but it's the inside that matters. The inside is rotting. And it's that kind of judge that's truly able to separate the wheat from the tares. A lot of people in our world, they, they hear about the judgment of God, and it's like they toss the whole, the whole thing out. All of Jesus, they like Jesus up until there was some sort of judgment. Like, he's going to tell me how to spend my money? Like, Todd, forget that. Like, he's going to tell me something about my sex life, and he's going to judge. Well, toss the, toss the whole thing out. Jesus, who cares? You know, people will toss the whole thing out. They'll toss the whole idea of Jesus out. But the good news is that Jesus is a good judge. He's the one that um, can truly judge and know us from the inside out. And judgment is actually good. I've, I've been reading, uh, I asked Justin, Justin isn't here, he's working, right? He's working today. He, he's got to work on Sundays. Uh, Justin wrote a book, uh, it's just his testimony. And um, 
It's his testimony of over, overcoming an addiction. It's an addiction to like a household cleaner. It doesn't matter. It's an addiction. Had an addiction. Uh, and it was horrible. It ran in his life just rampantly. And he came to the Lord. And, and his addiction is behind him now. And he, he wrote a book to share the story. And I asked him this week, can I share the story? Because I'm probably going to anyways because you published a book. It's not like it's a big secret. Um, and he, he said, yes, of course. It will help people. The story helps people. Which I think it's just crazy that... There's a lot of books. Like I'm looking around, there's probably maybe 100 people, 110 people here. In our congregation, there's nine books that I know of that have been published amongst us. That's crazy. Justin's, Shell Hammers wrote a book. John wrote a book. Bonnie wrote a book. It comes out next week, May 15th. Well, it's on Barnes & Noble, Amazon now, but October next her book is kind of a, fi a fictional book, but her story is one where the Lord spared her. She was going in for an abortion, an abortion, and the Lord spared her. It's called Nine and a Half Months. Yes. And so anyways, there's nine. Brett's written a couple books. There's nine books amongst us. Are you kidding me? Look around. Like, that's awesome. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. This congregation is a powerhouse. Um, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Yes. So, so. Um, Back to the story, and I'll close with this story. It's uh, Justin starts off uh, talking about his story. And at the beginning of his book, he has this like introduction. And the introduction is a piece uh, in the middle of his story used as the introduction. And it's, it's, the Lord, it's him welcoming judgment in his life. And you might think, wow, who would want to do that? Well, for all of us, I think if all of us in here... Well, if I said, I'm not doing this for real. If I said, everybody close your eyes. Now raise your hand if you really messed up and need to repent. All right. Open up your eyes. Hopefully every single one of us would have our dumb hands in the air. Like, yeah, yeah, we, we need to welcome this in our lives. And so here's, I'm going to read for you what Justin wrote. Um, so, so he's in the midst of a horrible addiction. And he says it this way. He says, I remember that night. Driving around town, he's driving under the influence in this story, feeling as though all hope had been lost for my life. I watched as everything crumbled around me from friendships to family to jobs had all been destroyed. I knew that I had burned all my bridges, pushed everyone away until I was alone. There was no one left to ask for help. I threw up a small prayer as if I thought someone might be listening. I was not sure what I was doing or what I expected from the prayer, but I was desperate to find comfort in anything. At that moment, I saw flashing lights behind me. Ironically, I let out a sigh of relief. I felt that my life might finally be turning around. Most people would be worried about the consequences of being arrested. But for me, he goes on to say, like, he was welcoming that. And in some way, don't we, aren't we all like that? Like the, the good God, the judge, he is a judge and his angels hold these sickles that, that go through fields. Aren't we all like hopefully waiting for a good judge to set all things right in our own lives, in this world around us, even if it means that the weeds in our own life are gonna get painfully cut away. That is something we should all welcome. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to be led in a minute to the table. But I think at that, that moment in the, in the New Testament where Jesus is at the table with his disciples, all 12 are there, and we're about to celebrate and remember that table that he sets before his disciples. He says something. He says, one of you tonight will betray me. And 
And it says that one by one, all the disciples asked, Lord, is that me? And I think that's a really healthy response. Like the Lord is here to judge. And I think if we were honest, we would all say, Lord, is that me? Like you've come and there's weeds in my life. There's weeds amongst things. I've planted weeds in my own life. And Lord, would you be the one to pull them out? Lord, would you be the one to cover over us of our sin? Leave us with this thought as we pray that Lord, we thank you that you are the one who took the ultimate punishment. You talk about burning weeds in the fire, but Lord, as we look to the cross, we consider that figuratively you were the one that that burnt for our sins. You were the one who took the punishment upon yourself so that we might live. So Lord, we come before you preparing our hearts for communion.